I really, really like to run and do CrossFit, but I'm at a place where like, I'm only pretty much doing things that bring me joy and don't take away from my life. Like if I have to cancel time with my partner or I have to not go out, I sacrifice too much and I never have balance. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Kinesis. It's sunscreen, just better. May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month, and given that skin cancer runs in my family, I'm proud to partner with and share Kinesis with you. Now that I'm up in the mountains of Colorado, skin care and sun protection is more important than ever, especially with summer just around the corner. Their sunscreen spray makes application simple, and there's no scent or fragrance either. It's different than any sunscreen you've tried, and so light you won't even feel you're wearing it. This episode is brought to you by Super Coffee, the healthy, delicious alternative to sugary coffee drinks. Super Coffee was recently named the fastest growing food and beverage brand in America by Inc. Magazine, and after tasting a bunch of their flavors, I can see why. Their coffees contain zero sugar, and many of them contain 10 grams of plant-based protein. They're growing in popularity in the running community, and I'm excited to share a special discount with you. They offer a 60-day money-back guarantee, meaning if you don't love it, you get your money back, no questions asked. Grab 15% online with the code FTLR or look for them nationwide in 25,000 stores like Target, Whole Foods, Walmart, Kroger, and CVS. Cheers. I just got my fingernails. <laughs> Cheers, Brian. Cheers. So I'm here with with Brian Kent for my first live podcast in, I believe it's 440 days. <laughs> How long have you been doing that math? Uh, I actually looked it up before oh, uh, before I came here. All those preparatory facts. Exactly. That's mind blowing. Yes. How many episodes have you done in 440 days? I've done. Uh, a hundred and three, hundred and five. <laughs> I'm the only one with less than three thousand followers on Instagram, guaranteed. <laughs> well, we're here. We're back. That's that might be true. true. We're back. We're live. We're recording. We've got mics in our hands, beers in our hands. I just got a an adjustment here. Back, vaxxed, and ready to podcast. <laughs> Who's, I felt like you were going somewhere else with that, but I was into it. And you totally have my dog's hair on your microphone. That's really cute and kind of gross all at the same time. So this is the vibe I've been missing. And yeah, and it's like the, the energy that you get from podcasting and like talking to a human and being able to see their face and the rest of their body. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would have lost my mind if I wasn't seeing patients nearly every day of COVID. Like for the people who have been at home, like. I'm that's just like not my thing. And I just like thrive on people and community and God, I would have lost it. So like good on you for digging in and being like, 
I'm gonna get after. I'm gonna this. do more. Yeah. I'm gonna do- <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you did it, man. I mean, that's 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 what I did. I was like, I I need this, so I started doing back in March of last year. I was only recording podcasts, so I mean, yeah, I'm 105 episodes past then. So a lot of people who are listening now, like, haven't listened to the episodes. Any of your live were ones. live, yeah. So episodes 57 and earlier, those were all face to face, and so I was Wild. only doing podcasts like in Flagstaff and Boulder and yeah. at races, and then I everything shut down. And I was very bored and isolated, and I was I did fourteen. In, I was, was kind of sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did fourteen episodes in a week period, and I was wow. like, I gotta, I gotta start releasing two a week. Okay, so before we get too far, yeah. my my first question is always a hard one. I think I know what it is. Uh, yeah, it's so, always the same one. Who is Brian Kent? I always ask who is Brian Kent, and people are always very confused. Yeah, they're like, well, I've never heard of this person. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have any Instagram followers. <laughs> Uh, who is Brian Kent? I knew you were going to ask this and I was like trying to prep and well, I'm a, I'm a chiropractor in Boston, rather new business owner. Uh, I'm a dog dad. I'm wildly obsessed with the human body and like the human condition and how all that overlaps with every, you know, person I meet and every single kind of treatment session I have. And even if I've seen you a hundred times, like the it's also unlikely I've seen you a hundred times. I would be really terrible at my job if I saw you a hundred times. Um, but just every time it's a clean slate because everything is changing all the time. So, you know, your quote unquote pain or injury might be the same, but you're different than you were the day before or the week before or the year before. So it's just, I'm just having this like kind of cool moment in every treatment session right now where I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I really don't. And so I'm, I'm just like, kind of obsessed with that right now and so you've been in boston for three years now four i years? moved in 2017 so this will be years. yeah so i've been basically seeing you for four years and not and, for the same injury right yeah, not, not, not for the same pain damn thing <laughs> um no it's for for i mean the longest time just maintenance and making sure that the legs are feeling good shout out to chris chavez yeah um but jokes aside it's like it's been fascinating to watch your First of all, watch your own business grow, but second, watch your brain work and see like Brian is not a band-aid kind of guy. He's a we're gonna we're gonna address the acute issue and address the reason that you have the acute issue so that the acute issue goes away. And then something else will pop up and well then we'll address that. And it's like instead of playing the game of whack a mole, you yeah. just clear out all the moles all in one <laughs> one shot. Yeah, yeah. You just drop a dynamite yeah. down the first hole and hope it gets all of them i've been spending a lot of time in the the minefields of um the groundhogs uh, near boulder so i feel like that would be an effective, effective i don't even way. know what that means um Is that a thing yeah so like boulder was a mining town no 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 Is that I'm, what you're saying? I'm making a bad joke about <laughs> all of the all of the holes from the groundhogs that are in the ground oh i get you yeah 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 <laughs> oh yeah where everybody goes to break their ankles yes now I get what you're saying. Yeah. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. So that's that's the quadruple IPA that you just handed me. I was going to say, how's your beer, by the it's way? It's good. It's 6.9% alcohol. I, that's a beer. That's yeah, a beer. It's a real beer. A lamp lighter. It's good. Um, so you you have an interesting background athletically. So let's set to the stage there before we dive into more of that. Sure. So how did you get into running and triathlon? 
I got into running and triathlon probably the same way most people do. I started playing team sports when I was a kid. I really was a baseball, loved baseball as a young, young kid. I was obsessed with it. I would like play catch with myself in the middle of winter because no one else would want to play catch with me. And, but my, um, my dad started running marathons when he was probably a little younger than I am now. And so I was about 10. Um, and I remember him running the hundredth Boston marathon, 1996, and it was just wild. And so, you know, everybody wants to be like their dad or their mom or their uncle, or, you know, there's, there's some close connection to it. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a runner. And so, you know, uh, we always had like the, the mile race in elementary school and I was like really terrible at it, but I like, like in my head, I think I was good. But like truly, I was. <laughs> I was not. I was kind of short. Uh, just not a good runner when I was younger. Just puberty was very kind to me, and pre-puberty was not so kind. So then I started relatable. running. What's that? That's, that's relatable. Yeah, I mean everybody, everybody. <laughs> um, so I started running when I was like twelve years old, and started, you know, doing little track meets and five Ks, and ran cross country as a seventh and eighth grader, and it just kind of. By the time I was a freshman, I all of a sudden was 5'10 instead of 5'2, and I was kind of fast. And so everything kind of happened from there. And so you got into triathlon, and yeah. what was the evolution from running into triathlon? I didn't want to be a triathlete. I like resisted it like crazy. My hometown, Rochester, New York, has this little hotbed of these, these triathletes who in like the 90s were like, like triathlon didn't have a really big pro scene in the nineties and late eighties, but there was like this group of like 10 guys who could really throw down and they would show up any race nationally and they could win and they would go to Kona every year. And so I was connected with these folks through the running community. And, and from a young age, they were really pressing me to, to do triathlon. And I was like, triathlon's stupid. Like, I'm just going to be a professional runner. Like how hard could it be? And well, please refer to episodes one through <laughs> one sixty. <laughs> yeah, um, it's incredibly hard, and it's, it's it's you know everything all at once has to come together. Um, and some people are just genetically ready to do that, and they know from a young age, and that just wasn't me. So I was a grinder, and because I was a grinder, I got hurt a lot, and um, so I started riding a bike because I I couldn't run seven days a week. I could barely run five days a week. And so I started biking a lot. And my older brother was a big influence on me. He was always faster than me, always stronger, always better at every sport ever. He got a bike, then I got a bike. So I have to really credit him for kind of pushing that as well. And we're like two of the most pig-headed competitive people ever. So every time we got on a bike, it was a race. Like we didn't go for a ride. We would hammer for two hours until we could barely stand. Um, so then I was pretty okay at biking and ran through college, had a hard college experience as a runner, but also as a person. It was just a hard transition for me. I had a really bad eating disorder junior year. Ironically, it was like that next summer, I like thought I put the lid on the eating disorder, but it really was just like raging underneath. But I was running more than I ever had. I was running faster than I ever had. and you know, over a summer, I was like a different runner. It was insane. Um, I took 35 seconds off a two mile wow. in a summer. It was wild. I, not that I was like super fast before, but all of a sudden right. I was like, 
whoa, did I just run, you know, 935 for two miles? And I was like, oh, this is it. Like, yeah. I'm going to do it. Like, this is the beginning. I've like crossed that threshold. And then three weeks later, I couldn't walk, you know? And at the time I was like, oh, I have IT band syndrome. And it was awful. I didn't walk for two months. I couldn't bend my knee past like 15 degrees of flexion. Wow. And had I, knowing what I know now, I think I could have treated myself, but it was, it was awful. And then, so I basically came to this realization that I was not going pro as a runner. Cause I, I ran D3. I make it sound like I was really good and I wasn't, I was like a mid packer D3. I was good enough to win a local 5k, not good enough to win the local 5k if any other college runner showed up. So it was like, we got to get you on the on Noah Drotty's uh, D3 Glory Days podcast. Yeah. You can relive those 5Ks. Yeah, well, I couldn't even live Glory Days as a D3 runner. Like, that, I was, again, I was like a mid-packer. Um, so I was like, you know, I've been following triathlon forever. I ride a bike. I grew up swimming and coaching swimming. And I was like, maybe I could do this, this try thing. And, like, pro triathletes at the time, like, if you could run – 33 off the bike for a 10 K you were in the field. You weren't going to win, but you were, you were like in the hunt. So I was like, I can do that. Okay. Now I just need to learn how to, you know, swim a mile in 17 minutes and then, you know, bike a 40 K in 58 or whatever. And so that was the goal. So I just like, okay, um, that's what I'm doing. So I graduated, I moved to California, spent all my money on two bikes and tried to go pro. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Um, you've told mm -hmm. your, your story with the experience with an eating disorder on yeah. another podcast. Was that running on Ohm? Uh, I, have never been on running on Ohm. Um, Which it was, podcast was that one? uh, I think it was, um, uh, purposeful strength, um, with a strength coach here in, in Boston, Cambridge area, Sarah Polacco, who's a really great strength coach, a really amazing advocate for, so many different facets of, of like marginalized community, whether it's women or LGBTQ. She's just outstanding. She has a great podcast. I'm not sure if it's still running. I'll have to text her. But yeah, so I, I've talked about it multiple times. I'm a pretty open book about it. I think it's been so long. I was 20 or 19 and I'm 35 now and I'm so far away from it now. It, it like doesn't hurt. It doesn't sting. It doesn't scare me. It doesn't like bring up anything really. I always wonder if having experiences like that makes you a better i don't want to say coach but practitioner or yeah um like able to relate to people or understand that like yeah. there might like the person that keeps coming in for the bone injury like mm -hmm. there might be more to that yeah i in a weird way i think when you talk to people who have gone through experiences especially with health whether it's an eating disorder or depression anxiety to like way more extreme surviving cancer. Like very often people are like, I'm actually grateful for the experience now that I'm past it. Yeah. Like it wasn't a good experience. Like it was awful. Right. You know, I had to do a lot of therapy and like, there are times where I still kind of struggle with like body image a little bit, but it never really, it's always like a thought and it's like, eh, you know, I kind of wish I was super jacked and then, I, I, you know, it goes away. Um, but I think it's it's one of these things that I think has really shaped me significantly because it's one you can't unsee it, you can't unexperience it, and so when you have these patients or these people who who come in pa patient like I have patients, but I treat people, so people come in the room and like 
they just kind of like they start talking the talk and walking the walk and the the way they talk about their body or food or you just can kind of tell that maybe there's something there and in a way it's like it's complicated right because I'm not a mental health professional but I'm a health professional and this is part of health and and I think a lot of people also know that I've had an eating disorder and so it feels it's very often like a safe space and so the door is already open for those people and so the the number of times that I've had that conversation about you know are you seeing a therapist like have you have you ever considered that you have an eating disorder you know I I really think we should get you some professional help for this and like we don't even end up talking about their injury we spend an hour and a half talking about them as a person and yeah. their experience and maybe at the next visit now we're like oh yeah your foot hurts cool let's let's take care of your foot but you the person is way more important so i think it's 100 percent informed my clinical judgment and experience probably as much as anything yeah the whole the whole bit about playing not playing a therapist like sort of acting as a therapist like the number of times i've been laying on the table and just like <laughs> dumped my thoughts out <laughs> yeah it's complicated and honestly i think this is in and a, i see a therapist <laughs> right same same i date a therapist <laughs> now that's a setup <laughs> yeah i gotta get uh, one of those <laughs> yeah yeah we uh we do not do therapy at home but she's uh i mean so mindful she's just like she was like built for this job so it's not like we're like doing therapy but she's very empathetic she's right. great but like all the time i'm like i am wildly unprepared to treat mental emotional health eating disorders whatever it may be but it's like you said i, I don't know if it's the environment we create in our practice but like from the time i've been in practice People have been talking to me about things that I don't ask about, but they need to talk about it, right? So I'm there to listen and I'm there to – I do not offer clinical advice or therapeutic advice. If they need help, I refer. I refer a ton. It's the number one referral I make is mental health. And if there are any you know mental health professionals out there listening who would like to refer with us or, or come work with us, please give me a call because we always need there are a few that listen so yeah 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 so if you're there give us a shout we would love to work with you yeah and it's hard because i i feel like i've always been a really sensitive person i've always really been someone who like can like walk into a room and i can tell you who's having a great day without ever talking to them and who's having a dog shit day i i didn't mean to curse all good great i curse a lot <laughs> and I curse way more than I thought I would as a as a clinician. I always thought I would be really professional, but I I curse a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's you. I can just like tell like all the time people come in the door, new patient, existing patient, and I can just kind of be like, "You okay?" Like I feel like there's something more here than just your foot hurts or your back hurts, and like this is a safe space. I like, mean, the number of times that you said that to me, it was probably twice. <laughs> but both times I was like, I'm actually having that dog shit day. Yeah. And I was like, damn, he's good. <laughs> I think it's so important. I think that the medical system is very confused and confusing. And mm -hmm. it's like, where do you go? Where do you turn? What do you do? And people just want to talk. Mm -hmm. And like the number of people that will like message me on Instagram and yeah. just like send paragraphs. I don't have to say anything. 
I just acknowledge it and and like hear them. Mm-hmm. And it's because I talk about mental health and yeah. this and that. And people, I think, feel that it's a safe space. And again, I don't have to do anything. And they're appreciative yeah. of just the listening that is happening. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. Like um, social media, I don't know if anyone else had this experience, but I felt like Facebook like became this place where you like raged out against your ex and like inadvertently like talk shit <laughs> and you would like post song lyrics and you'd be like, you know, you know. <laughs> You know who this that is was about. AOL instant messages. Yeah, maybe that was it. With your like <laughs> your away, your away, away messages. messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that was like the first place where people could like be vulnerable and and it was like acceptable because then you you would get feedback and people would comment and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Right. And like so it's like validating. And I feel like Instagram has like really become this place where people like really share their story. And I just think it's really cool. I don't know what's different about it, but it feels like the Facebook space. Sorry, Mark Zuckerberg. The Facebook space. <laughs> he's is doing just, okay. Yeah, he's doing just fine. <laughs> but Facebook is like where you shit on other people and just hate each other and just talk about QAnon or whatever. But even like 10 years ago, it just never felt like the place to be emotional. It felt right. like the place to be angry right. or vengeful. But Instagram just feels like this place where you're like, you can like create your space. You know what I mean? And And people can can interact with you and respond and and get help. But like, truly, I don't think we should be getting mental health help on Instagram. But I think the community is really important. And it's, it's nice that like emotions are becoming important versus like, Oh, your feelings are dog shit. Don't worry about it. Like just suck it up or what? I don't even know. Yeah. And I, I think the other piece is like you being a dude who says all of this stuff. It's like, you're sort of breaking from like <laughs> conventional like suck it up and be a bro and I've deal never with been it. a bro i kind of <laughs> I, I feel like i probably tried to be a bro once i think i bought some like baggy jeans with like um you'll make mistakes <laughs> right those like low pockets with like the patch on the pocket i don't know maybe i'm aging myself a little <laughs> bit but um i like really wanted to be cool but i just never wasn't and uh, but i was always super emotional from like Three years old, like my brothers used to call me Crying Brian. Like I, I just, I just cried a lot. That's the name of the title of this. Uh... Yeah, good. Please do that. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, so I've always been just like a little bit not that way, always. So I don't know if I was born that way or genetic or I don't know. So big pivot here. Yeah. Uh, Why did you move to Boston? <laughs> I moved to Boston because my grandparents are from Boston. And uh, my parents are from Detroit. I grew up in Rochester, New York. And I don't know. I just always felt like I was supposed to be here. And um, I love the Red Sox. They're really making me sad the past couple of years. <laughs> well, last year. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of like there was just this pull here. And, you know, I knew the running community was really strong here. And I knew I really wanted to treat runners. I had no idea how strong the running community is. I will make the argument that from, you know, first time 5k or all the way up to professional runner, we have the best running community in the world or the largest or the most diverse. And it just has blown me away being here ever since like the running community is crazy here. And so what a year ago, you, you decided it's time to start my own practice right yeah. at the beginning of the pandemic. <sighs> Timing was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was really hard, um, 
but it really, it just felt like the thing that I really needed to do for my own life. Practice is like significantly harder than I ever actually expected it to be on a lot of different levels. It's really physically demanding and it's incredibly emotionally demanding, way more than the physical. The physical, like I can deal with, but like the emotional part is hard. And I, I finish most days with, out the capacity for like another conversation, another like emotional dive, another moment where I'm like another podcast. That's different. We're drinking <laughs> beers. You brought me a burrito. We've got the dog here. Um, so it really is. It's incredibly difficult. And I think there are other people who probably don't have that experience clinically. But for me, like that, I think that's how I do well. I just deep dive and you know. However you come here, I'm ready for it. Like if we're going to cry together, let's go. Like I got tissues. Like it's it well it's going to be all right. And so I was like really worried about my long-term my long-term health and my long-term sustainability. Like I want to be doing this for 50 years. Like there's really fun stories about like old-timey chiropractors who are literally 90 years old still seeing patients. I don't know if I want to do that, but I really like what I do and you know, we haven't talked about this yet, but I also have multiple sclerosis and I was diagnosed with that right before I graduated school, ironically. And I was really scared. Like I, I don't want to be in a wheelchair and I know that if I don't take care of my, I don't know, but I'm very scared of the reality that if I don't take care of myself and I don't do things the way I need to do them emotionally and physically, like, I don't know what's, I don't know what the next 30 years is going to bring. And I want to do everything I can to be prepared for that. And that was where this, this came from. So financial stability, schedule stability. I now have a dog at work, which is just like, it's, it's the best. So, um, so yeah, it was a really hard decision to want to do that. Ultimately, I'm really glad I did, but it was a really hard, really hard shift. Thanks again to Kinesis Sunscreen for supporting this episode. Everything from the ergonomic bottle to the ingredients they include and also leave out have been developed specifically for those of us who love to stay active and be outdoors. Available in select retailers and online, grab a 15% discount with the code FTLR and step up your sun protection game this spring and summer. Visit them at kinesisactive.com. That's K-I-N-E-S-Y-S active.com. Thanks again to Super Coffee for supporting this episode. I have been loving their French vanilla and hazelnut flavors and the cold brew cans. Super Coffee combines the caffeine from two cups of coffee with protein and healthy fats to give you hours of focused energy with no jitters or crash. I love it as a strong start to the day. Receive 15% off of your purchase at drinksupercoffee.com FTLR or use the code FTLR at checkout. I recommend trying one of their variety packs or bundles. If you give it a try, let me know what you think. And now back to our conversation. So one of the pieces from that that I find fascinating is the, like, I did this for me so I could do this for a long time, right? Like your job is to help people have a better experience. Like you've, you and I have talked over and over again about like how, how much, how much your work has contributed to like my success and the success of professional runners and the success of the woman that walked out the door and, and Kingsley, uh, 
attack licked her face and yeah. like all these things like you are you are building the success of dozens and hundreds of of people and you're making me blush over here yeah man. so first, i'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable first question like what is that what does that feel like for you to say it no for for that to be the the outcome i mean is that why you do it yeah i mean i can't i i can't imagine doing other work Literally, I said it before, I'm, I'm obsessed with what I do and I'm obsessed with my patience and like probably not in a healthy way. <laughs> like it really. But it's like a puzzle for you. Like the every time I come in, remember when we had the, it was the nerve. <laughs> Which the, one? The, the, the nerve the in, my, in, my, in my ankle. I was convinced yeah. I had a stress, stress fracture. fracture. Yeah. And Brian did all this um, evaluation and, and testing and all this stuff and he's like i've got a hypothesis and <laughs> it's wild it was what he's like it's wild this is like you're not gonna believe this one look at this guy it looks like a, a foot with like six toes um uh one two three that's five okay i'm just <laughs> a, one at the bottom i'm just a terrible <laughs> artist anyway yeah <laughs> there's a whiteboard behind me that i i drawn and pictures and i'm a horrible artist <laughs> but it really helps me interact with people so i use it yeah so so Brian is hypothesizing that I don't have a stress fracture and my Which is a scary hypothesis cuz if I'm wrong I really effed up. Right. And and so he he just kept like trying different things to sort of like see if what he was hypothesizing was true and it ended up being like a a nerve stimulation issue mm -hmm. and if it was addressed in one certain way I would have no pain whatsoever and i could run fast and far and it was totally fine good to go good to go and then i did run fast and far <laughs> and i did it again <laughs> and then i did it again and i just kept running yeah um i forget where i was going with this but where i think i was going with it was that it's like it is like a puzzle and yeah. you aren't satisfied until you have a conclusive answer yeah i'm really not satisfied and it's probably to my detriment it's probably annoying for my patients sometimes because like but from a business standpoint you can just have people come in treat them and send them on their way sure. and then and, and there's churn and sure and turnover turnover yeah yeah and you get people and and you get them you know on your way but you you spend the time to understand like why is this happening and so we were talking prior to recording about the sort of the running community and the yeah. injuries that happen in the running community. Yeah. Um, do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah, we got enough time. <laughs> um, Four, six hours? I know, right? Um, so, I mean, when you like start clinical practice, like I had a running background, I had triathlon background, I had every injury, and it's the reason I'm a chiropractor and I treat athletes is because I was one who needed one and beers are making me a little belchy over here i hope that really came in clear brian will edit that out not you brian the other brian another brian <laughs> brian walters of single track sound is the oh, is wonderful. My, the guy doing my audio that's now. a great name it is isn't it great name i think it's better than forward spine and sport i'll be honest <laughs> you guys do different things yeah so. yeah single track sound is dope though i like that alliteration um, yeah, right. We tried so hard to like come up with a kick-ass name. It's so, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rolls I mean, I, I'm happy with the name. I mostly like our color. Technically, the I don't know what the color code system is called, but it's Pantone. called Pantone. Yeah, yeah. That I knew you would know. I knew you would know. 
our Pantone is Fab 600. And that just makes me feel really happy because I kind of feel like I'm Fab 600. That's like my personality. If you had to like do a Pantone code, that's that's me. <laughs> I mean, it's no Mr. 3000, but... Is there a Mr. 3000 Pantone? The, the baseball movie? With, with Bernie Mac? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is not a Mr. 3000. I was thinking of the band Power Man 5000, 3000. Do you remember? That? I don't. If you don't know who Power Man 3000 is, like, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> it was like a 90s weird, I wouldn't even know what the hell to call it. Punk, metal, angry. We'll put in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> um, the hell we're talking about? Um, so we were talking about... Oh, running injuries that... Yeah, so I had all the typical running injuries. And like very often in school, you learn formulas of like how to assess, how to diagnose, and how to treat. It's like if they do this and then this and then this, this is what you do and that's how you fix it, quote unquote. And so you graduate and you find out that you don't know a damn thing about anything. And so you're just like running around like a crazy person trying to, quote unquote, fix people. And I feel like I actually did okay for my first year out. I felt like my head was only slightly in my ass. Whereas a lot of people, their head is way up their ass and they have no idea what they're doing. And that's like not a bad thing. You ask any clinician, lawyer, police officer, and they'll tell you the first first five years, you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And that really bothered me and scared me. And I hated when people would come in and I couldn't help them. And I have the unreasonable expectation that I will be able to change someone's pain outcome in one visit. I'm not saying done in one visit. Um, I'm just saying change it, modify it, understand it. And that's unreasonable, but I still have it. And it's always going to be my goal. And I just kind of got obsessed with the why, right? Like for me, the one that really blew my mind was plantar fasciitis. And because every time someone came in with plantar fasciitis, Like you get their note ahead of time and they'll write, I have plantar fasciitis. Every single time I was like, shit, (laughs) like this is going (laughs) to suck. Cause I was like, I I don't know what the hell to do with this thing. Right. Like, you know, my tools at the time were really limited, right? You have an inflamed plantar fascia. That's what itis means. It's an inflamed fascial membrane. What the hell are you supposed to do to that thing? And it's, For those of you who've never cut open a human body in cadaver dissection, the plantar fascia is so thick that you have to use two fresh scalpels to cut all the way through it. You can use one, but you're going to be sawn for a while. It's remarkable. The structure is, it's incredible. And every single time a patient came in with that, I would like, I would probably see him like eight or 10 times. And every single time it was like a miss. And I was, I'd get to like eight visits and I'd be like, I'm wasting your time. Like I'm not helping you. And I'm sorry. I don't know who the hell can help you, right? Like orthotics, soft tissue, Graston. I was an acupuncturist too. I still am. So I felt like I had a leg up. That was like the only place I was actually helping people with quote unquote plantar fasciitis. But people didn't want to pay out of pocket for it. It was it was kind of a mess. Anyways, so I was like, okay, this is insane. Like this cannot be this difficult to treat. Like if I'm batting zero on this, <laughs> I'm obviously doing this wrong. And so I just like sucked it up, swallowed the pill, was like, you suck at treating this, which means I actually don't know what it is. I'm not assessing it appropriately. And I just like started over, like literally opened an anatomy textbook in like this moment of dire frustration. I was like, what other things could go ouchy on the bottom of the foot? (laughs) 
And I discovered there's like 14 to 20 other structures <laughs> in that general vicinity where people point to the bottom of their foot anywhere on the bottom of their foot and say, I have plantar fasciitis. And so I just decided that plantar fasciitis basically doesn't exist. And that's not like evidence supported. I just, it's not a useful diagnosis in my mind. And there's so many other things that are actually happening on the bottom of the foot. So people come in and they're like, I have plantar fasciitis. I was like, you have plantar foot pain. We don't know what's causing it. And I basically went to all these common running injuries and I went to the literature. I called friends. I listened to podcasts and I was like, we got to do better at this. There are people who are way smarter than me who are figuring this out. And I'm going to do better than just like beating the shit out of the bottom of your foot. Like, I'm just not going to do that anymore because it didn't work. So why the French would I keep doing it? Like, I just felt like a crazy person. And so I stopped doing that stuff and I learned how to reassess the foot. I learned how to reassess gait. I had one today that came in, you plantar fasciitis. And I was like, no, you have uh, some sort of nerve sensitization of tibial and sural nerve. You have a, a suspected mild tendinopathy of the short foot flexors. And they're like, the F does that mean? I was like, it means you're going to get better a lot faster and you're not <laughs> going to live with this for the next 15 years. Like let's run.com forums will have you believe. <laughs> I, I looked at all these things, IT band syndrome, the literature is very clear. It's not a friction thing. Um, piriformis syndrome, just there's so many of these like dog shit diagnosis out there that just like aren't helpful and make people feel like they're just never going to run again. And, you know, we can't diagnose things because the bottom of your foot hurts. Okay. You have plantar fasciitis. Your butt hurts. Okay. You have piriformis syndrome. Like we just can't do that. It's, it's so useless. And our tools to treat them are crap if we don't know what it is. So you have to actually know what the hell you're treating. And so that was like my aha moment. And I've been trying to dig myself out of that black hole ever since. <laughs> so for those who are listening at home and are like, wow, I've been feeling this way too. And perhaps they don't live in Boston. They can't yeah. come into Forwards Mind and Sport where they've got Kingsley yeah. and Brian. Uh, what, do, what do they do? You know, I would say just like if you have so if you're if you're a runner, you're probably listening to this. You're a runner, and someone assesses you. If by, not, please tell me what sport you follow. And yeah, yeah, right. Some of your favorite or triathlon on too. And someone pokes you where it hurts and says, "Yep, that's X." Get up and say, "Are you going to assess me, the human, the person, my body?" And if they look at you like you have three heads, I don't know if you're in the right place because we cannot diagnose these things based on location and based on what I call poke test. I can make any area of the body hurt exquisitely with my thumbs. It does not mean that anything is actually wrong. It does not indicate that there is a problem there. The body is sensitive. Of course, it's going to hurt if I dig my thumb into it. That's ridiculous. So don't accept your first diagnosis if you're not happy, you know? Don't just say, oh, yeah, I got plantar fasciitis. You know, I had a friend who dealt with this for 10 years. That's insane. Like, there's, there can't be chronic plantar fasciitis because you can't have inflammation that lasts 10 years. I suppose you could, but the likelihood is insane. It's just like it doesn't make any sense. Like, the body just... You wouldn't make it 10 years, right? 
So he's making a point that is applied to running, but it's also applied to life in general. So many stories of people who like finally figure out something about their health. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't happen on the first try. No. Or the second or the third. And it's like we're in this medical system where you are your own best advocate. You are your only advocate. Yeah. Sometimes. And you got to figure it out and keep asking questions to the right people. Yeah, it's it's really hard. And I honestly like there are people who are way better at what I do. And those are my mentors. Those are the people I look up to. Those are the people whose books I read. And I I mean, they have an understanding of the things that I'm doing. And that I would say I have like a C plus understanding and they literally wrote the book on it and I'm trying to absorb what they do. And not everybody wants to learn their entire career. And like, that's fine. You're probably going to be like coin flip successful. You'll probably help half of everyone by mistake, basically. And that's honestly like, those are pretty good odds. Like if, if you're, you know, Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox and you're batting 500, <laughs> you're going to have the best slugging percentage in the league. You'll be the best hitter that year. But in my, like 50% is a, is a, not a good ratio for, for me and for my business partner. Like, we're just not about that. Like we're not helping you in the first three visits. We missed it. You know what I mean? And we're going to start over. So that's what you want. Like if you're going to see someone and you're seeing them three, four, five, 10, 20 times, and they're not reassessing you and they're just like, Oh yeah, just like give it time. Be like, tell me why I need to give it time. <laughs> like, tell me about the anatomy. Tell me about the physiology. Why do I need 16 weeks to heal this? If it's a tendinopathy, you need 16 weeks to heal it. If it's tendinitis, you need six days. You have to know the difference. Ask questions. Be annoying. Like, don't take no for an answer. And don't just accept that. Like, the other thing that kills me is like, we are obsessed with inflicting pain on each other clinically. I it. There are times when there, there, there's like almost like one exception. Shockwave is like this thing that's kind of relatively new and it has really great clinical results when used appropriately and clinically and how the research says it should be. And it's exquisitely painful. It is not a comfortable thing. And it's pretty successful with like plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendinopathy, and hamstring tendinopathy. But on the whole, I don't think you need to hurt people to, to help them. Like I don't, I'm not buying this whole like good pain bullshit. This like, oh, I need to foam roll my leg until I'm in tears. That's insane. Like really think about what you're doing. Like why does that make any sense? You are in pain and now you are inflicting more pain. Do you think your brain or nervous system likes this? Absolutely not. That's, put that spin on it. Your brain's like, why are you doing this to me? Please stop. It's it's begging you. And you're like, oh yeah, like. Good hurt. I think I'm bleeding. I must be doing this right. Like people who like self grasping at home literally have people come in with like scars and blood. And I'm like, do you feel better? And they're like, remarkably, no. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm so surprised. It's crazy. But that's what it does. Like pain is super messed up and it's emotional and it's, it's not just ouch. It like permeates your life. And that's the other thing. Like if you're a person, your your chiropractor, your your PT, whoever isn't like, hey, how's the rest of your life going? Like, are you in a good place to heal right now? Are you in a good place to be doing sport? Like, you know, running community is small. We all know all the shit that's going on in each other's lives. And it's like, I know you're going through divorce and you're trying to train for a marathon and you're in all this pain. Like that didn't happen by chance, you know? I think we're finally getting to I'm screaming. By yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Listeners. It, I'm again, we have, up. 
we have the the leveler here mm. that will kick in when it's at peak. Thank God. Um, and and my guy Brian will will take care of the the shouting. I did a podcast at single track sound. At single track sound. Let's go. Um, I did a podcast with a woman named Sally McRae, who is a professional trail runner and uh, owner of the loudest laugh that I've ever heard. Yeah. And uh, I'd never seen this thing blink until she started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and I can hear her laugh That's like great. right now from from thinking about that. And it's fantastic. But how nice is that, right? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to forward you. Uh, I'll listen to you. I'll, yeah. I'll just go back through your 180 episodes and find it. This one was recorded live in Vermont. What a place. It's beautiful. I love Vermont. Um, but what, where I was going before Kingsley so rudely interrupted us, she's so cute. Um, Kingsley is a, is a four legged dog here (laughs) versus a a two or a six legged. I was going to say four legged, uh, being four legged being in this room here. Um, anyway, what I was, what I was going to say was, I think we're finally getting to a place where we can understand that stress is stress and what we do on the roads, on the trails. And at work and life relationships, like mm-hmm. as my coach David says all the time, the body doesn't know miles, it knows stress. Yeah. And I think that what's up? Yeah. So many people Preach. so many people go go out for a run to try and like <laughs> relieve their stress. Relieve like their stress. Shit. Yeah. When it only works for so long. Right. And if you can, you know, harness it in the right way and you're you know, jogging super easy, maybe, but good luck with that. Yeah. The, from a long-term perspective, like one of the hills that I will die on is, uh, running is not therapy. Therapy is therapy. I will die on that hill with you every day. Running can, every single day. Yeah. Running can be therapeutic, Yes, but I don't think it can be therapy. And no. back to like the, the healthcare system, like not everyone has access to therapy, which is a huge problem. Massive. Yeah. Um, and another plug for Bigger Than the Trail, which is an organization that seeks to provide therapy for people who can't afford it and provide uh, mental health services via running and for those who run at no cost. So at least there are options out yeah. there. But um, I remember you said to me, it must have been 2019 when I was just having like breakthrough after breakthrough. You were like, it's because running is just running and you're free. Yeah, And you're doing the work in therapy. And I was going through a breakup and the loss of my grandfather all at once. And yeah. so like I had this life stress, but it was being dealt with. Yeah. And it was it was awful right. at the time. But it was it was like the weirdest dichotomy between like how brutal that was and how well my running was going. Which doesn't happen right. very often. Truly, like whether you're doing therapy or not. Yeah, so I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go yeah, ahead. no, but that was bizarre. But you made that comment about like doing the work. And so I was like very mindful of these life stresses yeah. and the things that kept popping up from a, uh, I mean, I didn't have plantar fasciitis, but. Sure. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I, we I have to cut that, that damn thing out. Plantar fasciitis shaming. We're going to get. Uh... <laughs> I'm really going to catch some hell. I'm going to lose like five Instagram followers. <laughs> but Oops. you might gain 10. So let's hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, so switching again, switching gears a little bit. One of the things you mentioned is the longevity in your career. Yeah. 
let's talk a little bit about running and how are what's your relationship with <laughs> with running these days and how is it contributing to happiness or yeah. um just a, a more complete life versus you know a 935 two mile which yeah. is freaking fast it was fast and i haven't run that fast since sad face um and i probably <laughs> never will run that fast again that ship's probably sailed is that okay uh i'm working on it i don't know i don't know man i yeah yeah i'm like i knew this question was going to come up and i still don't actually have an answer to it because like i haven't answered it for myself like i don't really race i don't really train well i, I did beat you that one time you did you whooped my ass <laughs> you, did you not. beat me the year before <laughs> Yeah, but you whooped my ass. You like, and you knew it was going to happen too. I had a little chip on my shoulder from a 5K that John and I dueled it out. And I thankfully negative splitted because there was this little bastard of a hill. It was like 1%, but it felt like Mount Everest at like mile two. And I like, I don't know. I just knew I wasn't fast, so I didn't go out hard. And every other fast person in Boston ran the five miler. So it was me and John. Right. It was either one of us who were going to win it. And it was, it was real fun. And then you just we both out. got extra beers though. So yeah, we fine. did. You whooped my ass the next year though. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm probably going to struggle with this until I'm like, I know I'm physiologically not capable of doing X, but like, I still want to run a marathon. I trained for one last year. I didn't end up doing it because of COVID, but I hated the process. I did not have a good relationship with the marathon. So how do you how do you rectify that, or do you? I don't know yet. I just, at the time I just stopped running. I like heard the marathon was canceled. I, I literally ran a twenty one miler the, like two days before, and it was terrible. Like I hated it. I was checking my watch like every sixty seconds to like what's my pace? What's my pace? I want to BQ or whatever. I was miserable, and I wasn't getting any faster, and I was just. I was trying so hard and it just, it wasn't enjoyable. And, you know, when I was diagnosed with MS, there were people who were like, don't ever race again. Like it'll kill you. Literally. That's what they said. They're like, if you want to live a long life, you're not a runner anymore. What did you say to those people? I think I said, fuck you. Um, <laughs> they made me an ultimatum. They said, no racing three years. Give yourself three years. Did you? I did. I did. To the, almost to the day. <laughs> and... I don't know, man. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, I think I want to do an Ironman, but I don't know. And I think I want to run, you know, a marathon. I think I want to try and BQ. Like, I really, really like to run and do CrossFit, but I'm at a place where, like, I'm only pretty much doing things that bring me joy and don't take away from my life. Like, if I have to cancel time with my partner or I have to not go out, I sacrificed too much and I never had balance. You know what I mean? Like I ran 935 for a two mile, which is not outstanding. It's great, but like nobody on the pro circuit gives a shit and nobody knows right. my name. You know what I mean? So, and I had no balance. I had a raging eating disorder. I was depressed as hell. Like I didn't have any friends, but I was fast. And I was like, this, it, I, I just have never been able to figure it out. And there are people who do, and I'm like super happy for them. And then later we find out, you know, 10 years after their gold medal that they were inches from taking their life. And you're like, this just does, like, doesn't right. seem worth it. It's crazy. So I don't know. Well, I, I'll, I'll let you know next time. I think I, I do know I'm going to do a long trail run in the fall. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And 
the reason that I love that is because when I was getting out of balance with running, it was it was trail running that brought me back into it. And it was losing the watch, losing the splits, losing the care about like, oh, my long run was two hours and 15 minutes this week. And it was two hours and 13 minutes over the same distance last week and 217 the week prior. Like, it just doesn't matter. And so this was this was after Boston 2017 when my goal was sub three and I ran 401. Daniel ran a 406 and finished five minutes behind me and was like, my God, if I knew you were five minutes up the road, <laughs> I would have got on my horse. Yeah. And and probably had very different experiences. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. How happy were you at the end of that race? I mean, I wasn't happy about anything. <laughs> I was happy. I was happy to be finished. And yeah. I I literally curled over at the finish line because I like threw my hands up and then I had searing pain in my calves. Yeah, I've seen those pictures. Fell down. Did yeah. you have a mustache? I did have a mustache. It was so gross. Yeah, it was. My coach, when I ran Boston 2015, I had a worse mustache. He was like, you can't go within 200 feet of a school zone. Literally. <laughs> the look you got now is much better, bud. Thank you. So so, anyways, I was in a tough place running over an hour over goal time Yeah, and was obsessed with running sub mm-hmm. three. And I didn't run sub three for two more years. Mm-hmm. And I spent those two years running trails and not caring about pace and time and yeah. this and that. And so for anyone who's listening, who's like maybe going through this and, and is unsure of like why they're going out for that 20 miler or, or whatnot. I just had um, a woman named Katie Ashley on the podcast earlier today. And she talked about taking a break from running and I asked if it was a forced break or a break by choice yeah. forced as in injury or by choice as in I'm burnt out and need to, put pause you know kind of forced too but she chose to do it yeah yeah and i took a forced break in 2020 and came back with like this hunger and love for the sport that i've never experienced before so i i think that these like you know blow it up and start over or do something totally different it can be so healthy and then you can come back to like i came back to the marathon i stood on that start line I was like, I don't fucking care if I run sub three. Yeah. And then I did. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah, it was great. And would so, it have been great if you didn't? If I ran a three oh 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 one, it would have been great. That's a different beast. Yeah. I still wouldn't have qualified for Boston. <laughs> <laughs> but Oops. but it's it's the it's the mentality of it. It's like getting to the joy versus I need to do this and I have to do this and I have to run this run and I have to do this and so it was, it's been so fascinating to interview people who chose to stop running in 2020 and then they're picking it up again in 2021 and they're like, this is great. Yeah. Like I can do that. It's, it sucks. I didn't run for six months, Yeah, yeah. but we're back and mm-hmm. this process is going to be fun. So I think that you talk about the longevity aspect and, yeah. and the process versus the outcome is like, again, from 160 interviews, like. 98% of people are process versus outcome. And I, I wasn't successful until point, I made that yeah. shift. Yeah, I have a magic bullet, right? Like my magic bullet is that I know I have a neurologic disease. Yeah. I know what's coming, but I don't at the same time. There's no, it's not written, but I can make choices based on that. And if I don't know if this is true, right? But if racing an Ironman cost me a year of, life running around with my kids like 
I'll never forgive myself. Right. That's not worth it. You know what I mean? I can, I, I find joy in lots of things. So I don't know. I'm, I'm searching for that place where I don't feel that like demon on the inside being like, go faster. You can do it. I know you can. And the one that's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I could go for hours on this. Um, I I think it's a good place to wrap. Yeah, I do too. Um, too. So if people want to follow you and Kingsley, well, let's, let's start with you. Yeah. If people want to follow you on social media, where can we find you? You can follow uh, my business partner, my co-founder and myself at forwardspineandsport.com or our Instagram is forwardspineandsport. Uh, You can follow me at, at Brian Kent, B-R-Y-A-N-K-E-N-T. And you can follow my dog. (laughs) Most importantly, let's be clear. At all hail the Kingsley on Instagram. I follow like three dogs on Instagram. So Kingsley, you should be honored. Yeah, yeah. And 10,000 runners. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, Brian, yeah. thanks so much. This, this was, was awesome, man. I appreciate you. Of course, likewise. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.